I love that. It's, it's kind of funny. Have you ever, have you ever done stupid things? <laughs> yeah, we kind of all do stupid things, you know, like you put the, the cereal box in the refrigerator or you ask someone when they're due, when they're not pregnant. We, we, we all have done stupid things. A few years ago, I did something really stupid. I, I was working in Miami, Florida, helping to launch a, a Sadlock campus for a church. And, you know, Miami is kind of one of these places you kind of got to watch your back a little bit, you know. And so I'm there. I had dinner with a friend and I, I had, was driving a, a rental. And so I, I went out to the car, got in the car, put my keys in the ignition. And, and well, they wouldn't fit in the ignition. And uh, I finally began to look around and realize, this is not my car. It looked like the car I was driving, but it was another white SUV just like mine. And I looked around and I was like, oh man. And so I got out of there real quick. I got in my car and I sped away. I was like, I got through that. Well, I drove about 10, 15 minutes down the road and I stopped into the grocery store to get a few things. And so I was about to get out of the car and I looked around to grab my wallet. And my wallet wasn't there. And I'm like, and it hit, dawned on me, I must have left it in that other car. And so now I'm starting to sweat and I've got, I'm like, oh man, what am I going to do? I mean, and I started, you know, playing through in my head all the scenarios of what could happen here. That what if it's not there and the people take my wallet, they steal my identity and, you know, all the stuff that could happen with that. And then I think, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to drive back there and I'm about to get in it again. And what if they see me? What if they call the police? What if I get arrested? I mean, I was really freaking out over this. And so I drive back to the restaurant and the car's still there. And so I'm playing through the scenario and I kind of parked behind it to kind of block the view a little bit. And I got out and I walked around and I looked inside and there's my wallet sitting on the console of this foreign car. And so I opened the door, I got it real quick, and I got out, and I jumped in my car, and I sped away. And I was just like so thankful that I got through that circumstance. But I was thinking, how stupid was that? To get in the wrong car, and then to leave your wallet in it. What was I thinking, you know? Well, the truth is, we all do stupid things from time to time. And depending on the severity of that stupid choice or decision that we make in life, it can have some pretty stupid consequences that go along with it. Obviously, mine could have been a lot worse. But, you know, the truth is, when we make stupid decisions, we're going to face the stupid consequences that come from those decisions. And we are in a series called Stupid Human Tricks. And so in this series, we're going to talk about the stupid decisions and choices that often we can make that can have some some pretty devastating consequences and oftentimes lead us into a situation where we would just say we've wrecked our lives. So let's start with with looking at this word stupid and understanding this word. I mean, I I don't want to offend people, and, and I know that many of you parents have taught your children not to say the word stupid, so we are not using this in a bad way. But I want you to understand the definition of the word stupid. Here's what stupid means. Stupid means given to foolish decisions or acts, acting in an unintelligent or careless manner. Basically, it's when we make decisions without thinking through it. When we kind of are oblivious to our surroundings, we're not thinking. Just like I was with the car, I wasn't even thinking about what car I was getting into. It's careless. It's not being sober-minded. And when we make stupid decisions, stupid choices, we're doing this without any real thought about the consequences of what's going on. Now, I want you to look to your neighbor, and I want you to say to them, you're not stupid. 
Now, I know for some of you husbands and wives, it was really hard to say that, but maybe this was a good thing. Now, I want you to look to them and say, but sometimes you do stupid things. (laughs) Truth is, we do stupid things, and it can really wreck our lives. Now, I want you to think back in your life for a second with me. Remember when you were younger? And you were, you were full of ambition and drive, and you thought, you know what, I'm going to conquer the world. I was like that. I thought, I'm going to do crazy things in my life. I'm going to just, I'm going to tackle the world. And then somewhere along the line, the years go by, and, and suddenly you find yourself not so impactful. You know what I'm saying? It may be just that life happens, you know, the job, the the finances, you get married, you have children, the responsibility, and suddenly you're not as driven and you don't see this this impact that you thought you were going to make in your life. A lot of times we get off rhythm, like the dancers up here, we, we miss our cue and we get out of step and we find ourselves missing kind of that plan and purpose that we thought we were going to have in our lives and we land in this place where we're not so happy. We're not so fulfilled. We're not so satisfied with the direction of our lives. You know what I'm talking about? I've felt that way in my life and come in and out of it, to be honest with you. And so I think we need to zero back and we need to understand one thing. And that is for every single one in this room, there is a plan and purpose from God for you, for your life. I'm going to show you a few verses. I want you to look at Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen to what it says. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has marked out a strategic plan for your life and for mine. When you look at Ephesians 2, 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has some good things, some things that he has prepared for you to do in your life. My wife and I are pregnant. She's more pregnant than I am, but we are pregnant. And I can't help but think that God has already prepared some things for our baby to do in his or her life. And not only that, God doesn't leave us alone to do it. In 1 Corinthians 12, listen to what it says. It says, there are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. What this teaches us is that not only is there a plan and a purpose for your life, but God has gifted you. He has equipped you with the skills and the talent and the personality and the heart and the potential to do the things that he's called you to do. And not only that, he is at work in you to help you and to strengthen you and to empower you to do it. And then I love this final verse. In 1 Corinthians 10, it says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. When it comes to our purpose, when it comes to these things that God has prepared and gifted us and called us to do, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's all about giving glory to God everything we do. That means that we reflect God and his grace and his mercy and his goodness and his character in everything we do to the world around us. We give God the glory and not ourselves. We are all called and empowered to do great things. 
But sometimes we find ourselves in a rut. Sometimes we find ourselves off course from the instructions and the call that God has placed in our life here in Scripture. And then what do we do? How do we get back? Well, to learn how to negotiate our way through this stupid human trick of missing the power and purpose of our lives, we're going to take a look at a a figure in Scripture. In fact, we're going to be looking at this guy throughout this series. His name is Samson. Now, now you may be familiar with Samson. You've been in church or you went to Sunday school as a child and and you heard about this biblical bodybuilder, the the he-man with a she-weakness, you know who I'm talking about, Samson and Delilah, maybe you've seen the movie. Well, I hope to expand your horizons a little bit and help you understand that there's a lot more to this guy than we may have originally understood. Samson was a guy who, who started out with that same idealistic, that same, that same notion of there was great things for him to do in his life. There was a very direct call upon his life, just like us. In fact, we read in Judges that his parents, who had not had children, had been barren, had not had a child, an angel appeared before them and announced that they would have a child let me, re- let me read to you what it says. In Judges 13, it says this. It says, You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is to never be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite. I'll explain that in a second. Dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. What they're saying is, this is going to be a special child. And God had a very special and unique purpose for him and for his life. He was to be a Nazarite. Now, a Nazarite was someone who took a vow, an uber commitment to God. And in this vow, he promised and dedicated himself to three things. Number one, that he would never shave his head, cut his hair. Number two, that he would not eat grapes or drink wine. And then number three was that he would abstain from touching anything that was dead. These were the boundaries, these were the guardrails that that God placed upon Samson's life, and he was to be a lifelong Nazarite. This was going to be an outward display of this commitment and this dedication and the call upon his life. And part of that call was he was to lead the people of Israel. They were in a time where they did not have a king, but they had judges who ruled and, and led the people, and they were under the control of their arch enemy, the Philistines. And Samson was to begin to lead his people out of that Philistine control. That was his purpose. But it didn't take long for Samson to have a little vision drift, to to drift away from the purpose that God laid out here and to, to kind of find his way in another direction. You see, he made a, a foolish decision. And he went to some place he shouldn't have gone. In Scripture, it says he went down to Timnah. Timnah is, is a, a Philistine territory, a Philistine town. And he went down to Timnah. Now, I don't know if you've been in church much, but I remember the old school pastors. They would preach on this and they would say, you know, you're always in the devil's playground when you go down to Timnah. And we always get in trouble when we go down to Timnah. You know what I'm saying? And it's true. When we go down to Timnah, we get in trouble. Well, Samson went down to Timnah. He went down to this pagan territory. And when he was there, well, actually on his way, he ran across this lion. And he he ended up killing this lion with his own 
hands. He was so strong and so powerful. God had given him this supernatural ability. And he gets to Timnah, and he sees this girl. And he's like, wow, she's hot. (laughs) I want her. I want this girl. And so he goes back to his parents. And on the way back, he sees the lion that he killed, and he touches the dead animal. And he takes honey that bees had, had produced in the carcass of this lion, and he eats it, and he shares it with his family, and he defiled his body. So often, when we make bad decisions and choices, and we begin to go down in our own lives, we defile our bodies, whether it's through addictions or immorality, overeating, or whatever it is that we do in our life, and we defile our body, and we go against God's plan and purpose for our lives. But he goes to his parents, and he begins to drift from his heritage, and he defies his parents. He says, I want this woman. This was in the time of, of arranged marriages, you see. He said, I want this woman. I, I want her for me. And look what his parents said. It says, his father and mother replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. Samson was all about getting his needs met, immediate gratification. His pride, his lust said, I want her and I want her now. And so he goes off to marry this girl. And on his bachelor night, he says a really foolish thing. Sometimes we get off track in our lives just from the foolish things, the stupid things that we will say and do in the conversations we have. And so he makes this riddle with all these people and, and says, if you can guess this, I'll give you all of this new clothing. And so he does this riddle. And now these Philistines are like, we want the new clothes. We want, we want the hookup. And so they begin to pressure and to threaten his fiancée. And finally, she tricks him into telling him the answer to the riddle. They tell the answer to the riddle. His pride is hurt. His ego is busted because they guessed it. He gets mad. He goes down and kills a bunch of people and takes their clothes and gives it to these people. But when he comes back, Check this out. His father-in-law gives the bride away to another man. <laughs> and now Samson's really ticked off over this one. And so he, he says, you know what, I'll get even with them. And so he, he takes foxes, an animal, a couple of animals, and he ties their, their, their tails together and lights them on fire and lets them go in the grain fields of the Philistines. Okay, now things are getting a little crazy here, don't you think? And so he burns down all the grain of the Philistines, which makes them really mad. And so they go and they kill his, his ex-fiancee and, bro- and father-in-law. So now he's even madder. He goes and kills a few more people. And now the Israelites, his own people, who he was supposed to be leading and, and helping them you know, get out of the control of the Philistines, now they're scared. Now they're upset with Samson. So they capture Samson and they deliver him to the enemy. They, they tie him up and... But, He's strong. And so he breaks the chains and he escapes and kills a bunch of people again. And now he, he's reeling from all of the circumstances and all the consequences of some stupid decisions that all began with going down to Timna. I want to read to you what, 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 what Scripture says about this time. Judges fifteen eighteen says, Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? He got loose, escaped from from their control, but he was thirsty. He was hungry for God. 
He realized he could not keep on doing this under his own strength and his own power. He was trying to manipulate and to control and, and, and forecast and make certain outcomes happen in his life. Oftentimes the way we are when we get away from God's plan and purpose in our life. And he was thirsty for God and for his power in his life. Well, it didn't last long. Because we, we continue reading about his life. He did rule Israel for 20 years. But he made another stupid mistake and decision, and he took another road trip. This time he went to a place called Gaza, and he had an encounter with a prostitute, got himself in trouble there, and he met this woman named Delilah. And we all have heard about Delilah, probably. She was the the sexy seductress that kind of lured him in, and he fell in love, or let's say lust, with her. And he began to carouse with all of her friends and all of these Philistines, the enemy, the very people he was to, to fight and to be against. And he's running around with them. And so they began to conspire against Samson and trying to figure out, how can we get him to tell us? where his strength comes from. They knew he was a threat to them. And so Delilah begins to to weave her web of of deception. And over three times, she she tried to get him to tell uh, tell her where his strength comes from. And on the third try, he says, it comes from his hair. Well, you know what's funny is that in itself was pretty prideful because the real source of his strength was God, not the physical hair. But through that, his demise happens. Let me read to you what happens here, because I think it's kind of interesting. In Judges 16, it says, after putting him to sleep on her lap, okay, he's just laying down there reclining on Delilah's lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Then she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you, And he woke up from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and I'll shake myself free. I'll beat him up. I'll kill him like I've always done. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. That's one of the saddest lines, I think, in Scripture and could happen in our own lives. The Lord had left him. He had wandered so far from God's plan and purpose and was so deep in the weeds of his own sin and circumstances that he didn't even realize that God had left him. And so the, the Philistines took him, they gouged his eyes out, they sentenced him to hard labor, and basically his life was a tragic end. Until the very end. Until the very end. If there is a silver lining, it is this that it's never too late to turn your heart back to God. And so he turns his heart back to God. They, they, the Philistines say, hey, we want to make fun of, of, of Samson. And so they were having some big event, and he goes into this, this, this place that obviously was a huge structure. It had big columns. There was a lot of Philistines there. And he's in this place. They're making fun of him, a tragic guy. And he turns his heart toward God and he says, God, if you would, just this one last time, rest your spirit upon me. Take control of my life. And with that, Samson put his hands on these columns and he was able to push these columns down. The structure imploded upon all the people. Samson and all of these Philistines were killed. Ultimately, part of God's plan and purpose for his life to deliver them from the Philistine control. But what a tragic story it ends up being, isn't it? A life that had such potential, had so much opportunity, 
yet it was squandered. And I look at that, and I look at my life, and I think about all of us here, and I think one of the most tragic things that could ever happen in our life, one of the most tragic, stupid human tricks for any of us would be to squander the potential and the purpose of our lives. So let's learn from it. You know, when we look at Samson's life, what do you think is the main reason he missed his power and his potential in his life? Was it because he wasn't really like in tune with his heart? He, wasn't, he didn't take enough personality test, you know, to figure out what his strengths and his weaknesses were and what his personality profile looked like and where his passions lied. You know, a lot of times that's what we look at when we try to figure out our purpose. And that's fine, but that's not the deal. You see, the problem with Samson was he made little stupid decisions and choices that placed him in the company of stupid people reeling from stupid circumstances and ultimately falling headlong into sin. You see, stupid choices will lead us into sin. And sin is the reason he missed his potential in his life. I grew up in church, and I remember some of those, those old pastors. And basically, every sermon was this fire and brimstone of what not to do in life. You know, it was all about sin, sin, and all the repercussions of sin. And I felt beat up every time I'd go home because of all this talk about sin. And I think a lot of times we miss what, what, what sin is really about. I mean, I felt like being a good Christian was about upholding this list of rules so I would not sin. It was a completely about eradicating sin from my life and obeying a list of rules, being the perfect Christian little kid, you know? And I thought that's what it was all about. But I think we need to, to expand our horizons and understand a little bit more about sin. Do you realize in Scripture, when you look at the word sin, that it comes from this Greek word, the Greek word harmatia. And, and this word means missing the mark. If God's word is the foundation, is the mark, this is his plan and purpose. He's given us the guidelines, the guardrails, all that we need to fulfill our maximum potential right here. This is the mark. When we sin, we say, I don't need that. I'm going to satisfy my need away from that, just like what Samson did. And we go down to Timnah. We miss the mark that God intended. All too often, when I think of sin, I think about all the don'ts, what not to do, rather than this is an opportunity to do what's right. To, to think about God's love for me, that he has given me some guidelines. He's given me a path. He's given me some guardrails to stay within, to keep my focus so that I can fulfill his purpose and potential in my life. That's really what sin should point us to. But when we decide to step away from that, we miss the mark of what God intended for our life, and we end up in this path of destruction. You know, when you look at Scripture that deals with sin, we learn a lot when we think about that, that verse. Romans 3.23, look what it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark, and by missing that, God gets no glory. What's the purpose, the ultimate purpose for our lives? It's to bring glory to God, right? When we sin, we miss the mark, and God gets no glory. Look at Romans 6.23. It says, For the wages of sin, the payment, the payoff for missing the mark, stepping outside of the boundaries that God has placed in us, doing it our own way, fulfilling a God-given need in a God-forbidden way, it is, it says death. The wages of sin is death. Now, when Scripture talks about death, 
it's not only a physical and spiritual separation from God for all of eternity, but we begin to die today. When we fall into sin, there is this decay. There is this, this death, this dying attribute that begins to, to consume our lives. I felt it. When I've fallen into sin, you just feel like a piece of you is dying. I think that's where Samson was when he woke up and said, I'm just so thirsty because all of his sin was just mounting up and wearing him down. He was beginning to die. When we fall into sin, we wreck our lives. When we make stupid decisions, it leads us into the company of stupid people and we fall into sin and we suffer the consequences of that sin. We miss the mark and we miss the potential and purpose that God has called us to in our lives. So we need to understand this sin. And we need to understand that if we are going to, to maximize our potential, right? We want to do that? Then we need to, to move away from stupid. And we need to focus on the opposite of stupid. What's the opposite of stupid? Wisdom. We need to embrace and we need to become people of wisdom. And whether you realize it or not, throughout our day, throughout our lives, there is this competition, there is this play for our lives, a play between stupid and wisdom. We have a choice to make throughout our lives. Stupid causes us to fall into sin and miss the mark. Wisdom allows us to hit the mark, to fulfill God's purpose in our lives, and to bring glory to God. Stupid is all about our pride and our ego. Stupid asks this question, what will make me happy? What will give me instant gratification? That's what Samson did. What will make me happy? It's around the wrong people. It's being fueled by pride and ego and all of these negative things. Wisdom says, what will make me holy? What will allow me to reflect the character and nature of God in my world? What is the next right thing? Wisdom is fueled by humility. It's fueled by wise counsel. It's fueled by putting boundaries and controls in our life to keep us on track and in step with God's rhythm for our lives. We've got to realize that there is this tension. There is this, this competition between stupid and wisdom in our life. And if we're going to maximize our potential, if we're going to hit the mark, then we've got to embrace, we've got to dive into, and we've got to nurture wisdom and become wise people in our lives. I think that being wise begins by kind of getting out of this stupid cloud that we can often be in and recognizing our thirst for God. Samson had to realize that he was thirsty for God. Some of you are in that cloud. You're in that, that downward cycle. You've gone down to Timna one too many times and you're feeling the effects and the consequences of all these stupid decisions and choices in, in your life. Sin has taken control of you and it's time to wake up and turn your eyes to God and go, God, I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to do this thing. My strength has to come from you and not myself. I'm done. We've got to recognize our thirst for God. We have to begin to dive into the wisdom of his word. What are you learning from scripture today? How is it impacting your life? How is it making you wiser? This book 
is so chock full of everything we need to know and understand to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. There are some black and white commands, the thou shalt nots that God has directly said, but also principles that apply uniquely to our lives. And we need to grow and learn and daily retune and come back to center and refocus our lives on this power and purpose. Samson never did that. He just kept spinning out of control, making one stupid decision after the other, falling into sin and missing the mark, bringing God no glory. We've got to fuel ourselves with the scripture. We also have to get into the, the council and into the community of wise people. I've been a pastor for a long time and often have had counseling situations. And so often when someone sits down and they're ready to get counsel and their lives have been out of control and they're about to tell me all the bad things they've done and how bad life is, it typically starts with this phrase. You ready for this? Maybe you'll relate. It starts with this. I had these friends. So often we are a product of the environment that we're in. The people that we are hanging around with are going to impact our choices and decisions and the way we see ourselves. And when we are acting in a stupid fashion, these people are just going to cheer us along. That's why it's so important for us to get into the community of wise people. That's why we have Westridge Church to be a place for you to connect with people who will love you, inspire you, and encourage you to walk in the ways that God has placed before us to avoid the stupid decisions that lead to sin and missing the mark and to discover the wisdom and the power and the strength of God's word and his power in your life. Connect within the body of the local church. It'll make all the difference in the world. We've got to get around the right people. We also need to set the boundaries in our lives. We've got to realize, like I said, there are some black and whites, but there's also some additional guardrails we need to put in our life because we're all unique. We all have different different bents, different personalities, different weaknesses in our life. I believe God put this Nazarite thing on, on Samson's life because he knew he needed that structure in his life, yet he stepped beyond it. As a pastor... And all of our staff, we do not meet with, like, I would not meet with a woman alone and counsel her. I don't ride in a car alone with another woman. You say, well, that's kind of rigid. I mean, what if it's a business thing and everything? You know what? It's not wise. We need to put those boundaries in place that will keep us from the edge and the ledge of sin in our lives to avoid all the stupid little decisions that lead us into sin. For some, you need to make some really big moves in your life. Maybe you need to cut up that credit card. Maybe you need to get rid of that computer. Maybe you need to to disconnect from some people in your lives that are bringing you down to Timna. We need to put those guidelines and those guardrails, not to to kill us from any joy and any happiness in life and to live this legalistic, rigid life, but to protect us and keep us on track and experience all the joy and all the greatness that comes from living a life that is purposeful, full of God's purpose in our lives. I think one of the greatest lessons that we can learn from Samson is it's never too late. It's never too late. No matter where you are and what you're going through in your life and where your, your trails have gone, 
it's never too late to turn back and to allow God to take control of your life. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine a, a few years ago, and he said something to me that has just stuck with me. This was a guy that graduated college, you know, a really smart, sharp guy, moved to New York City, got involved in that whole financial world there, stockbroker, trading, making money, just wrapped up in the whole lifestyle of New York, working for hours on end, parting till Willie, we air, hours of the morning, and just that go, go crazy. It was like he was in Timna, one of these places, and he ended up addicted to alcohol and to drugs, and his life began to crumble. And he looked at me, and he said he had become a believer, and his life had turned around, and things had begun changing his life. And he looked at me, we were talking about this whole subject, and he said, you know, Troy, I had to hit rock bottom before I would turn my life around. But what about all of those people out there who are just comfortably numb? You're just okay with the status quo. You've just accepted that this is all that life will be. I'll just continue in my stupid choices, my stupid sin, and all the consequences of it. This is just the way it is, and we become okay and numb to, to God's plan and purpose in our lives. That's tragic. That's a stupid human trick that we would fall into that trap. God wants to use you. He wants to maximize you. And it's never too late. Don't hit rock bottom. Turn your life around today. Throw open your arms and say, God, I'm thirsty and I need you. And come back to center. And begin to embrace the wisdom of God in your life. And avoid stupid Avoid missing the mark. Hit the mark and bring God the glory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for just what this has meant in my life. And I'm humbled every time I speak because I'm not any better than anyone else in this room. And I get off track too. And God, I just pray that each one of us would be honest with you. We take the steps that we need to, to get our lives back in line, to walk in wisdom, Father, and not into the stupidity, the cloud of, of foolishness that often can rule and reign in our life. God, help us to be men and women who are full of purpose. Help us to hit the mark. God, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.